This is episode 71, Dyslexia. We're back with another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb. And I'm Maria. And here is our podcast. For the realistic SLP. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Here we are. Thanks for listening. Yes. Maria, what are we drinking? We have personal favorite, I must say. Yeah. (laughs) It's a Greek wine. Deb didn't even plan this. No. She just had this from Friendsgiving. Yes, somebody just dropped this off at my house. Yes, which I didn't come because I thought it was a Monday. I know. Just communication. Why would I have Friendsgiving on a Monday? I don't know. You're Deb and Mike. You guys do things out of nowhere, out of the blim. I guess so. Just made that up. But then you're like, yeah, I'll come after work. And I'm like, why is Maria working on Sunday? Right. So, yeah. It's okay. No worry. Don't be sorry. (laughs) Anyway, just wanted the people to know. I would have been there if I knew the date well you were out like looking at art sculptures and I stuff was. so what how do you even know yes. if you would have been there exactly i was very tired the next day yeah anywho so we have a greek wine by stamnaki which i will let you know is called is translated as little wine jug in greek and a fun fact about the greek language is that um when you add that word aki at the end it makes something small so like oh. lemony means lemon. Lemonaki means a small little lemon. Got it. Yeah. So just this means little wine jug. And oh. it, this wine celebrates indigenous grapes through a series of monovarietal creations that express the true character of each grape. That's because these grapes, asirtico, or if we want to say Americanized, asirtico, is the most famous Greek grape, mainly because of its impressive acidity. So this acidity in this wine is very high. Mm -hmm. And the food is very dry. But because of that, it does make it a great wine to have with food, which we did because Deb made a nice soup for us. I did. It was an Italian soup, but... um, That's okay. Tomato. Yeah. Yeah. Still Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And we paired it with... Obviously, some feta cheese and some kalamata or kalamata olives. So we're uh-huh. really, I feel like we need to be like, opa, you know? Opa. Yeah. Oh, I need more in there. Oh, oh man. God. This is not, what? This, mm-hmm. Yeah, you need some more of that. Yeah, I'll take more for sure. Yeah. And if, I didn't know that this asirtico, this is a type of grape that's found only most only in Greece, really. So, you know, if you ever go to Greece and you want to have some of this wine, you should because you're only going to have it, you know, when in Greece. Right. Stuff like that. Or, you know, Unless when in Brooklyn because right. that's when I'm having it now. Right. Because <laughs> right, it's imported and all that fun stuff. Right. But those grapes are uh-huh. from Greece. Right. And because they grow in the volcanic area, mm-hmm. specifically Santorini and all other islands that have that volcanic geographical uh thing i don't know what else to say all right well cheers, cheers. Opa. drink Opa. it drink it or sing it. it i vote drink it too piesto mm-hmm. i said it in greek there we go so piesto <laughs> did i say it wrong <laughs> well i'm just here for the humor aspect are you choking did you aspirate it on the piesto <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, do we need to cut to commercial <laughs> i'm good okay i definitely feel the acidity you oh, know yes yeah yeah but that might be agita <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyway might be my vocal folds a little bit fried but perhaps sorry about that speaking of fried vocal folds um asha we just did asha in orlando that was wonderful it was so fun to meet everyone Woo! Who is all I have to say. You <laughs> <laughs> can't even talk. As I, as I throw clear. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. You okay? Totally am good. All right. Just going to have you talk while I throw clear. <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, so we just went to ASHA 2019 in Orlando. We want to thank everyone who came to visit us. That was so exciting and so rewarding. And, and I just felt like my whole heart warmed by everyone being excited to to meet us and um i spoke at nishla which was also a great fun time 
And uh, yeah, I'd love to do that again. If anybody ever wants me to speak at their school or Maria, she'll do yes. it too. Or we'll do it together. We'll do no? it together. Mm. Yeah. I was, um, ho- <clears throat> I was hoping <laughs> we would do it together. Right. We could do yeah, it together. Totally together. Okay. Um, but yeah, we were, we are totally open to that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, cause if someone emailed us, I think from Pace University, shout out to Pace. Oh yes. And also someone from Maine University, two professors from Ye- Maine University were summoned. Oh were yeah. Sent to our they table. said that their students listened to us and, and they said, please go see Deb and Maria. Yes. So shout out to the Maine University yes. students. Thank you for listening. You cohort of SLP to be. <laughs> Right. Yes. Thank you so much um, for sending your professors our way. And um, they can email us at SLPs wine and cheese, all one word, mm-hmm. at gmail.com if you're interested in having Deb and I. I don't want to do it by myself. Okay. Deb and I, um, and have Deb do all the work. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Anyone can email us, too. Don't message us on Instagram. That is. Why? I'm okay with that. That's not easy for me because it's it's uh, difficult for me to keep track. I get too many DMs in my. Okay, so email us. Yeah, just email. Okay. Um, so. Cause it won't won't get lost. Cause then I try to like look back for things I can't find them. I got. There's no you. way to search your DM box on Instagram. Gotcha. Yeah. So if you want anything to do with this show, you just email slpswineandcheese at gmail Got it. Which mm-hmm. that email is on our Instagram. So right before yeah. you think about DMing us, DMing us, yeah, you could just email us. Yes. But anywho, I also agree that was my favorite part of Asha meeting our listeners, and I really thought it was so sweet when people were like, "I'm so fangirling." Mm-hmm. Still having vocal issues. I'm gonna get some water. <laughs> okay. Oh, you're leaving. I'll pause it. Okay. And okay. And we're back. Yeah, we're good now. Maria has recovered. Everything's fine. Um, back to Asha. So yes. what was your favorite part of Asha? Meeting our listeners and when people were like taking pictures with us and coming by the booth. Mm-hmm. Like, I listened to you guys. Everyone who like bought a shirt because the shirts are going to support the podcast. Exactly. We have big plans. Yes. And I feel like after last year at Asha, we have big plans and we like accomplished our plans. We had the live show. We got more equipment. Right. We have more guests. And like this year, I'm more excited because we have even bigger plans, you know? Yes. I'm just so excited of all the plans. Very, very exciting. That I never, ever thought I would even be on a podcast, you right. know? Yeah. Well, Let alone you know, having... You can't plan for everything. You can, really can't plan for anything. If I've learned anything through the podcast is you just never know where life will take you. So I'm, I was super excited about that. And uh, I really liked hanging out at uh, the ASHA closing party with, mm-hmm. the, with the SLP Toolkit ladies, Lisa and Sarah. And they are so cool. And yes. they were... You know, showing us all around Harry Potter world. They seemed like they knew more about Harry Potter than I did. I was like, oh, oh I know a lot about Harry Potter. Why I, didn't you ask me? Oh, I, I don't know. Just I'm, I'm not a Harry Potter pro. Yeah, I was just like, oh, Gringotts. I don't even know what this is. Mm-hmm. But it's a bank. Look at that. Yes. So I learned. And my least favorite part was that I got sick and I had a virus. Right. Yeah. So that wasn't fun. That was my least favorite part, too, Maria, that you got (laughs) sick. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It hurt to swallow. It hurt to swallow. Yeah, you know, you never brought that up. So I wasn't sure. It really was physically paining me to just yeah. I manage. I had no clue you were in any pain. You did not repeatedly mention it. Because. Show up everywhere late. <laughs> well, that's not different from anything else. <laughs> I know. But um, managing my own secretions was painful. You right. know, yes. so once you're in that boat, you'll you'll feel me. You yeah, know, like yeah. it just hurts to to swallow saliva, and you don't really t- you take advantage of right, how of easy how that is. is. Yeah, I had zero issue. Yes, with swallowing <laughs> your secretions. Anything. Yeah, Good. I drank a lot, I ate a lot. Good, partied um, a lot. It was fun. You're I lucky. loved SLP Eve. I loved having mm. the booze. I loved talking to everyone who came over to see us. Um, I loved all the after parties and events. Yeah. And um, I liked Universal, but I didn't get to go on Hagrid's ride, and I wanted to do oh, that. Oh, I so know. I was disappointed about that. Next time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, anyway, so today we're going to talk about dyslexia. Right. Later on, we have some lovely ladies from St. John's. Very lovely. Who decided to uh, reach out. They wanted to talk about dyslexia on the podcast to raise awareness. Um Specifically, they wanted to talk about uh, 
this during I think October is Dyslexia Awareness Month, but we didn't we didn't get there on time. Anyway, so that'll come up later. But right now, Maria and I are going to chat a little bit about dyslexia. Sure. Which, um, according to Asha, it's a disorder of written language. Mm-hmm. And there can be impairments in word recognition, reading comprehension, written spelling, and written expression. At the uh, sound and syllable and word level, there could be difficulty with phonological and morphological structure of words. And then also difficulty forming stable associations with orthographic representations of word to print. So your translation. Yeah. Right. So like knowing that like pH pronoun- is pronounced as f- sometimes Mm -hmm. you know like ph fat no i'm just kidding right but (laughs) because it's tricky because um in the english language there's so many different letters that say a lot of times that phonology and orthography don't match like right um you can get the sound from s c double s or sc you can get the sound from c k c k and ch Right. You can get the oo sound from double O or U, mm-hmm. and you can get the oo sound from one L or two Ls. Right. So these people with dyslexia, they have impaired reading, decoding, and spelling skills, and um, a lot of it has to do with being able to recall the visual orthographic image of words. Right. So it's really focusing on the way that the letters are printed, mm-hmm. but also the letter sounds... Right, and associated. Then, right, and then obviously the words, because these individual letters, as mm-hmm. we know, make up words. Right. And then words have meaning, so it's all like a hierarchy, right? Like exactly. it starts here, and mm-hmm. then if there's impairments with the orthographic or the representation of these letters and sounds, then they're going to have areas of deficit yes. pretty much Across the, board. across the board, yeah. everywhere, I want to say. But so basically, it's like pattern recognition, which is a big issue, and mm. the mental orthographic image, like understanding what the words look like. Um, and we talked about this in episode three, how um, the brain is naturally wired to see B and D as the same mm. due to object permanence. So like your brain is wired to know that I am myself, whether I'm on my like facing sideways or facing forward to you you would recognize me as the same person mm-hmm. and B and D are just switched. So that's um, why that's so difficult. And um, I took this workshop with, it was called building the brain for reading and writing the power of speech to print connectionist model, structured literacy instruction by Jan Wazowitz. And it was so good. Thank you, Jan. Yeah. So if anyone ever sees that she is speaking anywhere, Go listen to her because I, I, I learned so much and I took a bunch of notes and I'm going to, I'm going to share some of those notes with everyone here now. Okay. Do you, if you want, I can go into the symptoms first. Yeah, yeah, of, you can go into the symptoms. Yes, I'm going to do that. So dyslexia can definitely be difficult to recognize before school age because that's mm-hmm. when the kids or the students are really learning about like the letters of the alphabet and the sounds and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So... There are, though, signs that a young child might be at risk of dyslexia. So one of the biggest signs is which is which what involves us. They could be late talkers. Uh, they're learning new words slowly. They have problems forming words correctly, such as like they would might reverse sounds in words or they have problem problems remembering like letters, the name of letters, numbers and colors. And they have difficulty learning nursery rhymes or playing rhyming games. But this sounds like a lot of the students that we see or the children that we see before school age. So it really is hard to tell when it's specifically dyslexia and when it's like something else, which I know you talk more about in the interview. So stay tuned. Yes, we do talk about that a bit. Um, Because what's important to remember when it comes to dyslexia is that we as human beings are wired for oral language, but we are not wired for reading and writing. That must be taught. So what can we do to help our clients who have issues with reading or spelling, even if they're not diagnosed with dyslexia? Um, So... Students are more likely to read words that they have learned to spell 
than they are to spell words they have learned to read. So working on spelling is important. I feel like you should repeat that one more time while I take a sip. Okay. It's an important point. Students are more likely to read words they have learned to spell than spell words they have learned to read. Mm. Yes. So also in episode three, we talked about that neurons that fire together, wire together, together. and taking a multilinguistic approach of sounds, letters, and meanings. Because by teaching together in an integrated way, it's more effective than teaching in isolation. Correct. Because you're giving meaning to everything that you're teaching it, teaching, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, you're putting it together. So you're breaking it up in pieces and then you're putting the, you're painting the whole picture. Right. This is the sound. This is a word with the sound. Here's a picture with the sound. Right. This is what the sound sounds like. This is what it looks like. This is what it sounds like. Right. Just get eliminating all that ambiguity. Right. right. This is the letter. Yes. Ka-ka-ka-ka-ka. Yeah. I, lately, I keep being like, D is the letter. Duh is the sound. P oh. is the letter. Put is the sound. But I hear that in my school. That's why I've been doing that. Nice. But also, everyone who follows me on Instagram, I'm always like, every letter makes a sound. D mm. says da, 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 da. And I, then vowels, da, da, da. There are so many different reading programs out there. Yeah. With walking around the ASHA floor, I'm sure we oh, all yeah. saw different programs. It really just depends on the population of students that you work with and mm-hmm. what you feel like they're interested in, interested in and what they're grasping. So if that works for you, then, you know. I'm, right. And it right. doesn't always work for me. Yeah, I have to switch right. it up. That's why I have more than one approach. Exactly. Another note that I wanted to read here from Jan Wazowitz is um, we read with our eyes, but the starting point for reading is speech. Writing and speech are not interchangeable, but they are closely intertwined. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Thank you, Jan, for that yeah. point as well. Mm-hmm. What did you come up with so over there? I have some research, some research mm-hmm. that included school-aged children and uh, that are at risk for dyslexia and Pretty much what we're learning is that there really is not that much that we know about dyslexia. Oh, and what a surprise. Right. What a surprise. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have all the answers, right. right? We know that it's a language-based reading disorder where there's deficits in letters, sound, association, phonemic awareness, spelling, poor, slash, limited response to intervention. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're like, what works? What doesn't? We're still figuring it out. Right. Pretty, mu- pretty much. Right. So because like we said, children are wired for sound, but print is an optional skill and it will not develop on its own. So a multilinguistic approach is the most effective. Correct. So that is what my research. Well, not my research. <laughs> the, Ameri- <laughs> the research that you found. The research that I found that I did not conduct is by the American Psychological Association. Mm-hmm. And um, the authors compared the effects of three kindergarten intervention program on at-risk children's subsequent reading and spelling skills. So they're looking at reading and spelling, which of course applies. Uh, so they're looking at kindergarten children. And then they select the ones that were at risk for dyslexia. And then they did three different types of training protocol. So the first one is just training letter to sound. This Uh is the letter. This is the sound it makes. The second group did the phonological awareness. So like rhyming, detecting rhymes. They don't really dive into what type of phonological training, but I'm sure we could, you know, detecting rhymes, counting out syllables. And then the third group is combined with doing the letter sound training plus phonological awareness training. And I'm going to ask you, Deb, which do you think, which group, letter sound training only, phonological awareness training only, or the combined training third group which group? i'm gonna go with the combined third group you are correct ding 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 that group did show the greatest and strongest effects on reading and writing ah. spelling reading reading and spelling in grades one and two so i definitely read this research article before i don't mm. know who wrote it but that was like one of the reasons why i started doing the poems because we we 
count all the syllables in each line mm. and we find all the the rhyming the rhyme scheme and then we we find like gold and hold rhymes and then we add more words that rhyme like mold and fold and sold and told and all of those all yeah. the olds yeah and then we try to interpret the meaning behind the poem and and form sort of sort of a visual right so yeah it's just all it's all coming together it's all connecting that's what you have to do when when working with these clients this connectionist model yeah you're connecting things yeah you're connecting it all together because neurons that fire together wire together (laughs) right cheers Um, to that cheers there we go cheers another suggestion Mm It's to do spelling error error analysis on these students. And that's when you're like asking them to spell something and then you're seeing how they spell it. Right. So let's say the word is visible. Okay. So visible is, I just had to look it up because I don't even know how to spell visible. Is V-I-S-I-B-L-E. Visible. Right. So if somebody spells it V-I-S-B-L-E, then they have an issue with phonemic awareness got it because it's the sound that they're messing up because they're like visible so they're writing it like that and i always find that kids always leave out vowels if they're struggling with spelling when Um, i return when i've read through my old like journals and stuff mm -hmm. i was definitely a phonemic kind of speller right so yeah and some of this is typical depending on right right so there's always got to remember that too because visible that's a hard word you know it is a hard word so i'm thinking for why it's an example right (laughs) we all mess this up right so but visible i'm assuming would probably be like what third grade fourth grade oh i don't even know fourth or fifth maybe yeah but i think that they wanted to make it um understandable to us i totally get you but go ahead so then if the person were to spell visible v-i-s-i-b-l then that's an orthographic issue because no word really looks like that Mm. so you're struggling to recall what words look like if the word is spelled v-i-s-i-b-o-l then that's a morphological or phonological because there is no pattern of english where words end in b-o-l for bull right Right. Visible. Right. Right. Um, so morphology and phonology. And then if it's visible. So this is my issue. I have issues with because I probably would spell it wrong by putting an A there. Um, so with the mental orthographic image, you're just not remembering what the word looks like. Mm. Because visible, this works. Right. This is not like wrong. Right. Really. Yeah. Like it vis- visible, V-I-S-B-L-E, phonemically, you forgot a vowel. That's me more. You guys. So then, and then orthographic, it just it looks weird to have no E at the end. And then morphology or phonology, there's no ending of B-O-L. But visible, that's pretty good. Like, right. <laughs> that's not, that's not really a problem. Nice compliment to yourself there, Deb. It's still wrong. Right. And I have been very wrong with spelling right. my whole life. Okay. So gotcha. I'm not trying to compliment myself. Right. Because it's frustrating to me because I'm like, what? But mine was not bad either. I'm going to offer an ex- a, a different perspective now too. Yeah. Which could be controversial, but I'm just bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Now though, there is um, spell check for everything. Right. Right? So kind of a good news Kind of a bad news, maybe, because are we even really like learning the proper way of spelling anymore? But the good news is, at least do your there are solutions. Type things though. Yeah, sometimes. Mine rarely on... do. Rarely, rarely. rarely. And oh. I go up to fourth grade. They love to type. I have one kid who just keeps on asking to type all the I time. Have one Every kid time that he wants me. to, he wants. He's <laughs> like, Google Docs. Can we go on Google Docs? He just wants to write stories. I find the kids they really love the technology and stuff. Yeah. And, but, you know, a lot of kids on the spectrum, they love letters. Right. They're, they love it. They they, they grasp right. the letters in early intervention, you know? Yeah. So sometimes. Hyperlexic. Yeah, hyperlexic. So they're not really getting right. that background info behind it. Exactly. So what can we do to help them set, rounding it up? What did you say here? Combined your training of letter sound training. Mm-hmm. Right, B, bat, buh, whatever, buh, buh, this is letter B. That would be like letter sound training. And then combining that with phonological awareness but first sound you hear in the word bat is buh so combining those and that is what they and, found and then rhyming 
And then rhyming, of course, right. whatever phonological s- skills you want to focus on. Right. So. So then also, what else can we do for them? Repeated exposure of sounds, letters, and meaning all together. Right. Repeated meaningful exposures, sorry, of sounds, letters, and meanings. So the sound, then tie it to the letter, and then connect it to the meaning all together. Mm -hmm. Meaningful connections. Um, And then also, don't... Do not teach to memorize the rule. You want to teach them to generalize the rule. Yes, of course. That could be for anything, right? Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's great. So I know a lot of uh, different teachers and you know, different people that I know that are focusing on literacy. They might not always... I mean, of course, they teach the alphabet in order, but then when they do different letter sounds, they might switch up the letters just mm-hmm. to kind of know that they're not like just memorizing like, right. you know, the B comes after A or whatever. Mm-hmm. So also switching it up how you're teaching it, too, at times. Right. That goes into statistical learning. Whoa. So statistics. That, so statistical learning, it sounds crazier than it is. Okay. So the A in cat has a higher probability than the A-U, A in laugh has ah. a lower probability. So you're more frequently going to see the cat version of A than the laugh version of A. Mm. So trying to focus on that aspect. And that's a big uh, reason also that you'll see word families. Cat, right. hat, mat, fat, bat. All those because they have that predictability. I've actually done that with the student where I just kind of kept the endings the same and I had him read and then write each one and then I would like switch it up and then be like, what's this one? Bat. What's this one? Cat. And once we have that at, we're remembering the first sound and what letter that makes and like, you know, adding that ending of at. Right. So yeah. you got to start somewhere. Yeah. You have to start with somewhere, you know, yeah. word families are good. And then also, like, at first, I think it's, like, a great way to start. And then right. after, it's, like, a good warm-up. And then right. I'm looking at this kid, and I'm like, okay, we've done this. It's now December 1st yeah. or December 2nd or whatever day it is today. Is it today the 3rd? I don't know. <laughs> it's December. We're supposed to have a meeting with Steven, but it's Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so by now, it's, like, I've had these kids reading these word families since at least September. So I'm going to want them to read them in a snap. I want them right. to read them right away. And if we're doing but at bat at cat, then I'm like, okay, so what else is happening here? What else can we do differently? Right. What do you think? What I got to increase do? exposure and attention to orthographic detail and integrate sound letter meanings. Whoa. Look at every sound and every letter and sound it out. Mm. so not just like guessing and going right like yeah memor- really which is almost so like memorizing too or just high probability that this is bad when right. really it's mad you know right yeah so, mm-hmm. switching it up right that's like with everything you want to teach that skill in isolation and then you know carry it over and switch it up a little bit and see if they really have mastered it it's right the same really with a semantic approach, let's say, with vocabulary. So you would do the similar right. approach with with reading and writing. But we just overall want to connect sounds, pronunciation, and meaning simultaneously. Right. Yes, that is it. So you're targeting different aspects of the brain? Yes. Yes, so you drew a lot of brains. I did draw a lot of brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so these are all my notes from Jan Wazowitz's course. Thank you, Jan. This is not just coming from me. Right. But that's because also sh- I saw in your very copious notes here the, the different parts of the brain that are required to read and mm-hmm. write, right? They have the motor aspect, the visual, the auditory, right. the decoding, the storage, the re- recalling, the memory. There's so many different aspects involved. Right. That's why when there's deficits, you have to really just tap into all those different parts. So it's just a lot of stuff you got to do pretty right. much. Be ready. Be ready to work hard. Be ready to give some carryover activities. Mm -hmm. Be ready to just really work on this. This is going to be a very big focus if you have children with dyslexia. So that's all I have to say. Yeah. I'm tired just thinking about it. I'm going (laughs) to drink some wine. So (coughs) now I have to throw it clear. Mm -hmm. Are you finding, like, so in your population, though, you're working with more students who have, Um, complex communication issues right so do you find yourself working on 
reading yes because again there's there's you know just such a wide range when you have just different Mm -hmm. students so there are definitely a lot of students that i know they are verbal they are able to have a conversation but like they still can't write their name they still can't remember like b makes buh you know or they're close they're saying d for b so you know Mm -hmm. for sure i've definitely seen this but they might not have that diagnosis of dyslexia so it's really hard when you have just that diagnosis of dyslexia with the right. absence of other issues. Right. Yes. Yes. So yes. that's what I think we're also focusing on today. That that's why October is, you know, even though it passed dyslexia awareness month, because right. it's not just like, Oh, they're, they can't read, you know, like why is it they're having these issues, you know, in which in terms of cognitive impairments, right. They're having this issue. Right. With the absence of other things, right? They don't have sensory needs. They don't have right. like a, you know, something else. I mean, they might, but still the, the, the main diagnosis is dyslexia and that's like pretty rare, I think. Right. And if, if, well, actually, I mean, I feel like in my experience, cause I was in gen ed mm-hmm. and now I'm in a specialized program, but it doesn't seem as if my students have as, um, involved complex communication issues as yours do. Right. So I feel like a, a, good amount of my students have um aspects of dyslexia okay um so it's just interesting it just really depends where you are in the field exactly yes because yeah. like on your plane you're, you're just kind of like focusing on right other things really with of course working on literacy right but Absolutely. you know there's other th- issues going on so is it really dyslexia or is it also like attention is it also like sensory processing you know so it's like a lot of other there's things. tons of things that could be happening here exactly so something else that you can do is um sorting long and short vowels into ah. piles so um like e for like e for bed and leopard so like or so we have eh right so mm-hmm. eh is gonna say a bunch of different things like bed head any said ben and leopard and friends all of these are different ways that eh happens mm. so sorting those into piles um and then also foil words so so a foil word could be eat because that's a long E or please because that's mm-hmm. a long E or key because that's a long E. So um, helping your students know and hear the difference between long and short vowels is important. For sure, too. Yeah. And in terms of like, you know, I'm always bringing this up, too. But like in terms of like prompt, they talk about this a lot that, that students are really having a hard time with short vowels. Yeah. And you could definitely like incorporate prompt with that. And then you could even think of the motor aspect of like, why are they not pronouncing or reading these words? Is it like, of course it could be like an orthographic issue too, but right. like, are they, is their tongue also not moving? You know, yeah, like, maybe so like you know? maybe their tongue's not moving. So they're not perceiving those like medial sounds. Exactly. And they're a little bit more neutralized because they're vowels. So. Exactly. Um, you got it. And then another approach that's mentioned here is like, so trying to incorporate like physical movements in terms of recognizing words. So like, for instance, if you had a word, head and you spelled that word aloud for the letters that are taller than mm. the middle letters you mm. tip on you stand on your tiptoes so for the h go on your tiptoes e a and then back on your tiptoes again for the d uh so they could like visualize what it looks like but also you have like that body movement right but then you're also counting the letters there's four letters in head how many vowels there's two vowels in head let's spell it backwards that's hard yeah, but yeah. when I when I have kids do that, they're like, "What? Oh my goodness!" And then they like try hard and they do it, and it's funny. Cool. Um, that's motivating. Yes, it's definitely motivating. So then, <clears throat> my goodness. Yeah, this wine, like I mentioned, this grape, yeah. very acidic. So if so. any of it has uh, touched the vocal folds or the voliculi, you'll feel it. Yeah, you for will sure. feel it with this grape. Also, we're doing a lot of talking. Dyslexia is a very deep subjects we're very into this yes (laughs) super into this but also this wine can be painful yeah if it hits the if it hurts you the very last strategy that uh we have here that you can use to help your children who may or may not have dyslexia but anybody with a uh, written language based disorder would be to use this technique of trace copy cover close your cover 
cover the word close and spell your eyes it, and close then spell your it eyes backwards. And spell it. Yeah. So it's like you write the word and let's say the word is vowel. So you write vowel and then you have the child trace vowel. Then you have them copy the word vowel and then you cover it and then have them spell the word vowel. And then you have them close their eyes and then write it. And then when you have them do that, they're like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to do this? And they're like giggling. So it's fun. Right. And then step five would be for them to write vowel backwards. And at that point, though, they already had four. They already had four shots at vowel. Mm -hmm. So like they're kind of familiar and it's not so bad. I feel like I'm having a difficult time writing the word vowel. L-E-W-O-V. Whoa, that you're good. Vowel. Right. Well, but, so if you did the whole thing, if you did steps Le-wolf. one through four, <laughs> right. then you would have an easier time. And then, For you sure. know, you're probably going to pick more achievable words than vowel. I just, that was on my page, so I picked that. Got it. Yeah. I get it. And remember, repeated exposure. Getting as many trials as you want. Yeah. So don't take, as you not as you want as you can. Don't take a ton of breaks in speech. I don't take breaks. No breaks. I get it. I feel like we're repeating a lot to repeat the exposure. So I feel like, you know, we're just practicing what we repeat. We're practicing what we repeat. We're practicing what we preach. Yeah. We're repeating that. Keep on practicing. Yeah. So, yeah. That's all I have to really say about literacy and uh, dyslexia, dyslexia, I meant to say. Well, there's plenty more to say after this commercial break. That's right. This is Deb, and I'm here with Sarah and Lisa of SLP Toolkit. Hey, ladies. What up, Jennifer Brooks? (laughs) (laughs) We're breaking down 10 reasons why you need Toolkit in your SLP life. And here we are with reason number one, which all of the reasons are equally awesome. But for reason number one, you can create your own data and criteria reference test. So you don't have to go by just what Sarah and Lisa thought was important or what and they did tons of research, so everything they thought was important is great. You can sure. customize it so that it is adaptable to all of your the people on your caseload. Well, and I even think curriculum. A lot of people want to do things like measure things from a reading curriculum or a book that they're studying, certain vocabulary words. So that's super cool. But then also, we've gotten emails lately that we had a district that just came on board that bought the program for their relate all of their related services providers including OTs and PTs because now that they can create their own test they use the data side they can use the test they can create their own goals in that personal goal bank so it's just a win-win for everyone to stay organized on the same page well and I don't know if you guys know this about us but we don't speak any other languages (laughs) boo I wish we did but we have a lot of Spanish speaking tests, especially. Um, And so guess what? You can make your own, which is really, really awesome because we, of course, couldn't think of every single thing you may need to use to assess students' progress. But definitely, if it comes to needing it in a different language, um, now you have the tools to be able to develop your own test. We just had a Canadian friend ask about French tests. There you go. It's amazing. (laughs) Trebian merci. Because wow. I have SLP Toolkit, so everything is Trebi and Mercy. <laughs> so everyone needs to sign up for free at slptoolkit.com and use the promo code wine and cheese, all lowercase, when you're ready to subscribe. That's going to give you $24 off the annual cost of Toolkit or your first month free. Hi, everyone. I am joined here by a group of special ladies, all students from St. John's. We have Nayiri, Valentina, Karen, and Gabriella. Introduce yourselves, ladies. So, hi, my name is Nayiri Osman. I am a St. John's student, and I am a senior, and I'm studying speech-language pathology major. I'm in the speech-language pathology major, and I'm studying about dyslexia in the language-based learning disability class. Hi everyone, so I, my name is Valentina Felici. I'm also a senior at St. John's University learning about dyslexia. Um, so my major is speech language pathology as well and I have a minor in Italian. Hi everyone, I'm Gabriella Garcia. I am a speech pathology audiology major and I'm here to talk about dyslexia and I'm a senior as well. 
Hi, my name is Karen Alive. I'm a speech language pathology major, a minoring in psychology, and yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, so you all mentioned that you are studying dyslexia. So tell me, what is the definition of dyslexia? So dyslexia is a specific term for disorders that involve difficulty in learning to read or interpreting words, letters, and other symbols, but it does not affect general intelligence. So is it a reading disability? Yes, it is one type out of the two specific reading disabilities. What is the difference between a reading disability and dyslexia? There may be no difference at all. Some children may miss an important window for the development of their reading skills. And if they haven't fallen too far behind, with proper instruction can catch up. Whereas dyslexia manifests itself due to differences in the brain, specifically in processing phonological information, and it is lifelong. Can you explain more about uh, the phonological information? So phonological information is about processing the speech sounds of the words or language. So what are, is the other specific reading disability? It is specific comprehension deficit. So tell me more about dyslexia. Besides the straight definition of it, describe it a bit to me. Well, dyslexia has symptoms that may stand out to someone who is familiar with the disorder. Messy handwriting and poor spelling is common in those with dyslexia. Reading is unexpectedly inaccurate and slow. Aside from difficulty with free literacy learning, like rhyming, and letter recognition, the most common sign is when a child fails to learn to read. And this failure is unexpected based on his or her other abilities. Some common symptoms are difficulty understanding the individual sounds in words, difficulty remembering words, reversal of letters, and numerical sequences, not seeing or acknowledging punctuation in written text, omission of words while reading, and difficulty writing. Now, can you tell me what is the prevalence of developmental dyslexia? It's the most common of all the learning disabilities, but experts don't really know the true prevalence of dyslexia. It's somewhere between 5 to 20 percent. The prevalence of dyslexia often depends on the specific cutoff score used to differentiate between normal readers and those with reading disabilities. This is the reason why the prevalence is relative. The prevalence of reading disabilities depends on where one draws the line, which means, which is why it varies. So now that you've mentioned this, do you think that there are gender differences when it comes to dyslexia? It has been assumed that the prevalence of dyslexia is higher in boys than in girls. However, there is evidence that stated if a low, if, if a low score on a reading achievement test is used as the primary criterion to identify a reading disability, then one should expect to find nearly as many girls with reading disabilities as boys. That's very informative. Um, so what are the characteristics that children with dyslexia have or lack? So their oral language, which is semantics, pragmatics, and syntax is very good, along with reading comprehension, as long as the decoding is controlled. The strengths are in reasoning, problem solving, concept formation, creativity, and empathy. However, weaknesses are in phonological processing, alphabetic knowledge, word identification or accuracy, reading rate and overall fluency, and reading comprehension when it's inaccurate or labored decoding. So how does one get dyslexia? It is high, highly heritable and genes play an important role. So 40 to 60% with family history, 37% among first degree family members, and 68% of identical twins with reading disability also have reading disabilities. However, no single gene has been established as having a causal role as of yet. There is no reading gene. There are a number of genes that can give you dyslexia. I see. Uh, do people with dyslexia have reversal errors? I know a lot of people have that misconception that people with dyslexia see words backwards. However, some but not all dyslexic readers make reversals. Reversals are related to reading proficiency, so reversals are the consequence, not the cause of full reading. Does the brain of one who is dyslexic differ from the brain of one who is not? 
Yes, it actually does. The neurology of typical reading involves the inferior frontal gyrus and the inferior part of the brain and the parietal temporal lobe and the occipital temporal lobe in the posterior part. The neurology of a brain that is dyslexic doesn't activate these posterior parts for reading in the same way that the typical brain does. They say that the neural signature of dyslexia is hypoactivation of the posterior network and hyperactivation of the frontal network. How is dyslexia diagnosed? Dyslexia can actually be difficult to diagnose, but an early sign is that a child is not learning to read as would be expected. Learning difficulties can be early indicators. The basic procedure is to test an individual and determine strengths and weaknesses in oral language, reading, spelling, and writing through standardized tests or non-standardized assessments. You will find people with dyslexia actually have weaknesses in written language, but strengths in spoken language. When should a child be assessed for dyslexia? Dyslexia can be identified by a series of straightforward tests tailored to be taken by anyone from the ages of four or five upwards. However, the risk for dyslexia can be identified in young children, can be difficult for both parents and teachers because the signs are not always obvious. Many children develop ways of compensating for the dyslexia, which can mask their difficulties. It is useful to identify dyslexia early as this means a person has more time to develop coping strategies to meet individual challenges. Is there a cure for dyslexia? Unfortunately, there is no cure for dyslexia. However, with support, proper instruction, and hard work, many people with dyslexia are able to succeed academically and in their later lives. Dyslexia is a lifelong condition, but intervention can have a positive effect on a person's symptoms and outcomes. Research shows that structured reading instruction can change the way the brain is networked for reading. Are there different types of dyslexia? Yes, one type is phonological deficit. Some people with dyslexia may have difficulty with phonemic awareness, which is the ability to recognize individual speech sounds in a word and then blend those sounds to form a word. It can be difficult to break words into syllables and to connect letters and words to the sounds they correspond to. Another type is a naming deficit which recognition of letters and numbers doesn't happen quickly. It may take longer for the person's brain to process the information, which may lead to slower reading times. Additionally, double deficit dyslexia is when a person has both phonological and naming deficits. Is it ever too late to get help for dyslexia? Most definitely not. People who suffer from dyslexia can be taught strategies that can be applied throughout their lifetime. Programs involving multi-sensory structured language techniques have been shown to help adults as well as children. Early, inter Early intervention is better, but intervention at any time can be effective. So what is the best treatment approach for dyslexia? Actually, based on a lot of research that has been done, phonics training is the most effective training approach regarding the reading skills improvement in children with dyslexia. In fact, it also helps children without dyslexia. Therefore, phonics can be seen as a win-win situation. Does insurance cover dyslexia treatment? That's a tricky question, and it varies from state to state, especially for speech-language pathologists. It is definitely in our scope of practice, according to ASHA. However, licensing agencies <coughs> differ across states when it comes to billing. Hopefully, with the awareness of dyslexia, things will start to change. So do you know if there is anything people are doing to bring awareness to dyslexia? Yes, there is. October is Dyslexia Awareness Month and October 10th is World Dyslexia Day. The purpose of this day is to bring awareness of dyslexia and help other individuals have a better understanding of it. It reminds people the benefits of diagnosing dyslexia early rather than later. The theme in Europe for World Dyslexia Day was everyone can become a reader. So what's happening to raise awareness of dyslexia in the U.S.? There's a lot of momentum in the legal realm. Dyslexia used to be considered a medical diagnosis, but bipartisan support for dyslexia laws that changed the way dyslexia is identified and treated in public schools, where kids actually learn to read, is on the rise. In 2017, for example, the state of New York issued a guidance memo to every school district informing them of the unique educational needs of students with dyslexia and allowed the word dyslexia to be included for the first time on a child's IEP. The International Dyslexia Association's website, interdis.org 
so that's I-N-T-E-R-D-Y-S.org, has a great interactive map of the U.S. showing all the states that are enacting dyslexia legislation across the nation. Thanks to parent-led dyslexia advocacy groups like Say Dyslexia, there's a, lot, there's a lot going on and things are changing for the better. Wow, that's great. But what about in New York? NYC Dyslexia Plus, which is a task force, aims to add incorporating more than the standard teacher instruction. It aims at providing emotional support, access to technologies that aid in dyslexia, and creating partnerships with the Department of Education. So where can our listeners go to learn more? Neuroscientist Dr. Nadine Gab from Harvard just finished up Dyslexia Awareness Month by tweeting and dispelling one dyslexia myth per day. She's a great person to follow on social media. Her account is Dr. Nadine Gab, G-A-A-B. Finally, Holly Corby is an education journalist who just published a fantastic 40-page overview of dyslexia written in plain English. It's called The Mind Shift Guide to Understanding Dyslexia, which you can download for free from the internet. Again, that's Mind Shift Guide to Understanding Dyslexia by Holly Corby. I highly recommend it. Wow, that's a lot of information about dyslexia. Thank you for sharing. It was our pleasure being here today. Thank you for having us. Thank Absolutely. you. Of course. show everyone thanks for listening to slp's wine and cheese we have new episodes every week so be sure to subscribe also we'd appreciate it if you would like and review us on itunes if you love the show and want more bonus content check us out at patreon.com slash slp's wine and cheese